All right, welcome on to the Los Links Talk Show. Uh, we're here. Uh, it is uh, late August, the late August edition of the Los Links Talk Show. Uh, Link season is uh, continuing on. We're in the final stretch here, and that's what we're talking about today. And we're joined today right here in the Lynx Dynasty slash Wolvescast Studios by none other than Derek James. He uh, he joins us. He writes uh, writes about the Lynx for High Post Hoops and writes about the Wolves for Canis Hoopus in A Wolf Among Wolves. Derek, welcome. Thank you. Yeah, glad to be here. Yeah, we're, we we made it happen. We're here in the studio, chilling, hanging out, and talking some links. You know, um, you know, lots lots been happening. A lot of games been going down. So we gotta get gotta get gotta get going again. But um, as we do before that, let's let's learn a little bit about Derek. Derek, uh, t- talk about uh, sort of you know what what's your background in basketball? How'd you get into the game? And and uh, you know why, why do you like uh, following the Wolves and the Lynx so much? I don't know why I still like following the wolves so much. <laughs> yeah, specifically no. the wolves. Specifically the wolves side of things. Um, no, so it's I've been I have been around for a while. I mean, chances are people probably sort of at least vaguely know who I am because I've been on Twitter since two thousand nine. I joked when I joined Wolf Among Wolves and Canis. Like those are like the last two main sites that I hadn't written for yet because um, collecting I, them all. Yeah, pretty much. I had started blogging back in twenty ten. Um, I was taking a semester off of college. I needed something to do to fill my time. So I just created a blog spot and just started tweeting out links. And then someone started a local sports site and needed a Wolves writer. And I was like, hey, here's my stuff. I want, can I be your Wolves writer? And they're like, sure. And so I wound up running the site. And I was like, okay. And I kept growing my audience. And I'm like, well, I'm the only one doing anything. So then <laughs> um, I wound up going to Howland T. Wolf and writing there for a couple of years before joining. Uh, I haven't heard that name in a while. Wow. I know. Howland T. Wolf. <laughs> It is still around. Oh, nice. um, one of my new coworkers, actually, at my day job, um, wrote, worked with them for a little bit, too, which is actually kind of funny. And so I made an instant connection there. Um, and so I wrote, I was there for a few years, and I was like, you know, I, I don't really know how long I'm going to be in this. And then um, 1500 ESPN contacted me with my friend Steve McPherson, who I had known sure. from um, Hardwood Paroxysm, ah, yeah. had recommended me um, since he's in, he's in this area, too. And... Um, got me in there, so I started doing a column over there a few times a week. Um, that led into a weekly podcast that I wound up hosting for four years, and did that primarily. Um, went back to school, got my degree, this or that, and now I'm. And then uh, the last four years, three or four years or so, um, Howard Megdal asked of High Post Hoops asked me to come aboard and help cover the links and. Um, I'd known Howard a little bit through Twitter yeah. through the years at that point. Um, the legendary. It's, it's kind of cool like, how you can do this you know, on Twitter <laughs> and just Twitter. meet all these people. Yeah. Like, how do you know this you person? You meet them, air quotes, meet them you know, on Twitter. <laughs> and then you see them at a game. Yeah. And then you awkwardly credential check and then you're like, hey, I'm Derek. <laughs> like, you had both. I know you. Yeah, Howard. Okay, so that's amazing that, like, that's really cool. I didn't know that you started a blog spot. Like, that's really cool. Like, you just started your own thing. And you're yeah. just like, I'm going to write about basketball. I'm going to write about the Wolves. I don't know. Like, I've, like, heard a lot of other people, like, other writers and, like, different different areas, too. Like, if I'm listening to Longform or something, they're like, you know, I don't know um, why I got to the point where I did. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, like, a million yeah. other people have blogs and are probably also better writers. And it, it, it I don't know. It, That's not it's necessarily cool the run, thing, though. though. Right? The thing is, yeah. is, like, 
who might see it and what you know who what what's interesting about what you're writing about or how you're writing or you know what i mean it doesn't necessarily just have to be how good are you it's sort of so you know as you know from all these years of finding different ways into all these different sites and stuff it's sometimes more happenstance and that's fine <laughs> and it's also i mean just like in a lot of areas of life too it's like who you know who yeah. you can network with and make friends like i've seen some people you know take the more adversarial approach and um you know, just like go at people and be so aggressive. And it's like, it's just not going to work that way for you. And you're not going to make a lot of friends and connections doing that. Um, And so I think that was one thing that I was um, good at early on was at least networking before, you know, I'd really started to um, work um, as a writer and, you know, my basketball knowledge. And uh, like, I remember there's one site um, that would be right for him. Like, I just, I just can't take on anymore right now. I'm sorry. And, you know, they got an attitude like, well, you're going to regret not doing this or that. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I vaguely remember the name of the site. I'm not uh-huh. going to say it, but sure. I don't even think they're around anymore. Yeah. But I think they wound up like pivoting to like a men's interest site or something like that before just like shuttering up. Makes sense. Like, Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of glad that I missed out on that boat. Um, I'll, I just think that also it's about showing you like by starting your own site, even if it's a blog spot or medium or wherever you go these days, it's like, you're showing that you, the hustle, like you're showing the initiative of that like, is the big part. That's the thing that people see, and it's more of like, it's not even about how good you as a writer. It's like, oh, you're doing this for free on your own time, like and, and assuming no one's watching. Like that's cool. Like that's where it's at. Like those are the type of people who make it. I know a lot of people too that I would talk to, um, mostly in the first few years. They'd be like, oh, well, how much money do you make? And I'm right, like, right, right. <laughs> I didn't do this Wrong thinking question. Yeah. I was going to make money. I was trying to kill some time before I figured out what I wanted to do with my life. It's just a passion of yours. You yeah, know? exactly. You don't have to tie finance into it. And I think people can pick up when someone's passionate on something yeah. versus when they're just doing it to make money. And that's like where a lot of people are like, oh, never mind. I'm not interested in doing this if there's no money in it. It's like, I mean, and that's the reality of it. Like, yep. you know, I thought that maybe like this would be, you know, like a for sure career, my full time thing. And it's not. And that's cool because yeah. now I can still have it as a side hobby and a hustle yes. to where it's not, you know, like a job and it, you know, it's not just work and things like, cause I think that would be difficult. I mean, at high post right now, I split duties with two other people. So like, I don't have to do everything. I yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, a wolf among wolves and Canis. Like I don't have to do everything. It's pretty much like, yeah, when you can, you know, a few times a week total, like, that's great. That works for me. Yeah. And be able to do random spots like this too. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. So it all works out well, I, th- I think. I feel like people need to, we need to get more of that on the link side of things. And obviously it's, you know, comparing the NBA, which has been around a very long time. The WNBA is kind of different, but I feel like we need to see some more of that. Like, you know, I'm just going to start a medium blog about the links and I'm just somebody who's a fan or whatever. Like you, I feel like a little bit of that's kind of gone away. Maybe that's because like of rise of like social media a little bit more of like, Oh, I just put my thoughts on Instagram or I just, you know, do, post things in a different kind of way. But it would be cool to see more like sort of like fan sites or more sort of like in, totally independent, just about one team, like kind of, kind of things um, about the links. That would be cool to see. Well, I mean, there's obviously an audience for it and yeah. people that, I mean, what we've seen, and this is something that Cheryl Reeve had harped on forever, like, just put it out there. Uh-huh. Just cover it, and people will follow it. And that's been the case. And my rule has always been, I mean, I don't really care who you are. You know, you don't have to be this fantastic writer either. If you can form a sentence and a paragraph, you're probably fine. But if you can tweet, um, send more than two tweets out, you can probably write a few hundred words on yeah, it. Yeah, true, true. You yeah. know, I mean, especially once you start digging into it. I yeah. mean, so there's... You know, especially the WNBA, if, you know, like, because you look at the NBA side, you know, there are always tons of guys out there and kids out there with their own blogs or looking yep. to get into something. And, 
that is definitely more difficult. It's changed a lot. Um, I think it's become the odds are more stacked against you to get in that way. But there is, I mean, with women's sports, I mean, it's definitely something that I think as a society we're embracing more and more and more people are opening up to. I mean, just look what happened the Women's World Cup. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was a fever Huge. for that team. And this is allegedly not a soccer country. Yeah, no, yeah, totally, totally right. Um, so then w- earlier on in your life, though, like, what was it about basketball that made you want to, you know, write about basketball and think about that rather than football? Or we live in Minnesota where it's the state of hockey. Like, you know, so what, what so, was it about basketball? Well, my family, we didn't have money growing up to play hockey. Ah, yeah, um, you got to buy all that gear. Yeah, my, <laughs> I have a half uncle and my uncle who played hockey. And so there's definitely some of that some of that interest there. Um, I played baseball growing up. I did play one year of football. This is a disaster when you're overweight and weak. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, it's like basketball. I mean, it's easy. I really need a ball and you yeah. know, a pair of shorts. The and simplicity the, of it is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, growing up in the 90s and it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, I watched, um, you know, like Michael Jordan highlight videos and <laughs> KG. And like, I mean, I got to go to his camp in third grade and meet him. KG? Yeah. Oh, wow. And like, so there I went to Trent Tucker camp, but uh, not, not KG. That's still pretty cool. That's Trent cool. Tucker's yeah. at least cool. <laughs> Flip did show up one day. I remember that. Like, she came out to, you know, that. But I, man, KG camp. That's amazing. He would walk around with us, and I remember I got his autograph um, in a Rockets Barkley jersey. I think, <laughs> oh, no. just like when they'd play each other in the yeah, playoffs. Yeah, like six yeah. weeks after Barkley had just eliminated him. In that You're same just a big jersey. Barkley fan, or you just had that jersey? Was... I was just a NBA fan at yeah, that point. Yeah, yeah. And like, so like, I wasn't a great player. Like the way that I got on the court was like I hustled, I rebounded, yeah. I yeah. played defense. I remember my, like when I got four points, my family was like. You made those layups. Like, so many people missed those layups. <laughs> like, that was my limited offensive game at that point. Yeah. And then, so, I mean, I just kind of sort of just stuck with it over the years, and it always just been kind of the game that just oh, kind of sort of caught my interest. I mean, I, like, I remember staying up and watching, like, the 90, what was that? 97 finals. Oh, 98 finals, actually. Okay. And just, yeah, like. Jazz, right? Bulls Jazz. Yeah, yeah, Bulls Jazz. And just that game six yep. in Jordan. And it's like. This is so great. And then I remember, you know, I think earlier that playoffs um, when Reggie Miller hit the shot at the end of regulation or overtime um, to push the series to seven with the Bulls. And I'm like, this is so cool. And then, (laughs) you know, just just on and on, just all those memories. I I went to Wolves playoff games, you know, where it's like, you know, everyone's on fire for the team. Like, it's so cool to be a part of. And I think that's when you have those memories as kids really sticks with you. Yeah. And I mean... Like with Minnesota, I do think this is a basketball town. I mean, you look at like when like the Gophers women make a run. I mean, people are like, oh, when do the Gophers play? When do the Gophers play? Even the men too. Um, there's definitely an interest for it. And the, what really kills me about you know not having you know before the you know what 2011 um, with the Lynx is that there was a long time, a dead time, where there was no basketball excitement in Minnesota. Yeah, no playoff success yeah, for it, either side. And so, yeah, you have these kids growing up. They're not going to have that, right? No, They're not exactly. going to have that passion that was built into them when they were yeah, in ninth grade or whatever. And they, that's the stuff that sticks yeah. with kids. Yeah. I mean, even like Vikings fans now, like our age, I and mean, they're like, oh, 98. They're like, you yeah. know, it sucked. Like, they still remember a really good team. Yeah, they exactly. still remember like getting caught up in something. I mean, those emotional connections are strong. And we just hadn't had a lot of that. Now I think, you know, with the links, like even talking to the players in the locker room, 
Um, like I remember Daniel Robinson told me like people go, you know, would come up to her when she first got here, be like, "Oh, you play for the Lynx? Yeah, you guys win championships. We like you." Like, that's that's yeah. just mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just they, yeah. They're like, "Who are you? Oh, yeah, that team. Yes, the good, actually good team that plays in this market." I always used to <laughs> joke, and I do appreciate like the Wolves have been great to work with over yeah, the years, and they've so. obviously you know um, helped me grow my own career, the side career here. Um, but honestly, the, the, going to the links, you know, it's kind of almost a palate cleanser from some really rough wolf seasons. So totally. like, wow, this is a really functional basketball team. There's so much talent and it's all together. And so it's, it's kind of nice to go from one to the other in that way. And then getting into high post hoops, you mentioned Howard and stuff. I mean, um, I, I, I'm a, I'm a patron subscribe on Patreon. I'm a patron of the high post hoops, uh, website and everything. I can only assume everyone else listening is everyone. Too. Yeah. Everyone's <laughs> listening. If you don't know about that, go, uh, you can go give uh, high post hoops like a dollar or $5 a month to keep up what they're doing. And they have people like you in every single WNBA market, right? Writing about the, writing about I'm teams. I'm pretty sure yeah. up to every market. Just about. Now. Yeah. So lots of people, great WNBA coverage over there. Um, obviously Howard, and he has the he has the salary cap sheets that like nobody else has, so like that is a huge thing for high post hoops. And we actually have um, reporters and people have connections, like which yeah, I didn't breaking, news, breaking news and stuff over there and everything. So like that's been really cool to see. But yeah, it was it just a matter of um, it's been how long now has it been that you've been writing for them and, and sort of how did oh. Howard just cold call you or how did you get sort of hooked up with that? A random DM as always. Nice, yes, yes, <laughs> Out of yes. The blue. Yeah. Um, so I think it's been three or four years. Like I'd always cool. had a credential. I was been yeah because I was still taking summer classes, finished my degree. So I was like, well, yeah. I can't always get down there. And but what I've liked about it is I don't know as much about the WNBA as I did the NBA. So like being able yeah. to do this, like it pushes me out of my comfort zone more. And I've been able to learn a lot more about a different league. And I mean, I think when you and being able to do that, yeah. I think only gets you more excited about it. And I think that's one thing that might be, you know, difficult for some people are thinking about like, oh, I really want to get in the WNBA and they might already follow the NFL or MLB or NBA or whatever and know that they're like, oh, I know all this stuff about it already and I know all this history. Yeah, there is a big And I have hurdle. to start over? Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's like, well, you know, like, you know, it's like, how do you know that, you know? piece by piece like you yes. don't just take the whole thing at yeah, once yeah and so yeah i mean i would just think I mean, there's it's been just so rewarding to do that and i think um being able to meet the entire crew at all-star last year and they're like oh yeah we're all gonna do this video and i'll be in it like uh, all right you guys i will sit on the outside <laughs> of this one for now yeah. i mean, this is really the only time just because i'm like you know next to all of you i'm gonna look silly because i mean everyone else is just so plugged in and it's like their whole thing and i am just like kind of joining almost mid-season last year mm-hmm. um into my full coverage um after the nba season um but this is the, really the first season that i've been able to you know really follow it and really you know stick to it which i've been really happy with yeah and it, it is really speaking to kind of what you were talking about it is kind of cool to learn a new league and to learn the players and stuff and there's still some times where you know a certain team comes to town and you know i have to ask usually eric beck you know, sits to the left of me. Yeah. Uh, he, he knows the league a little better. Who, who's that? Like, especially like for the new rookies and stuff. I don't really watch college ball. So like, you know, who's that and stuff. And so there's a lot of those, those moments. And it's cool because I feel like, you know, the leagues or in the NBA, if you follow them, you might sort of like get sort of uh, locked in on a, on a given player and what they can or can't do when you kind of start having these preconceived notions about them. Yeah. And it's cool to kind of like shed that and be kind of be able to kind of like start over with like a whole in our league and just like learn the strengths and weaknesses of certain players, certain teams and, I don't know. It is daunting, uh, like you were saying, to like a general sports fan to say, "Oh, I got to learn this whole new league." But the cool thing also about the WNBA is it's a small, small league, right? Only twelve yeah. teams, only one hundred forty-four players. Like it's you can you can pick that 
up pretty quick, you know. So I think it's approachable. Uh, well, League Pass is just so cheap too. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, it's like twenty bucks for the whole year. Come on, seventeen dollars. <laughs> yes. It's not even twenty bucks. <laughs> yeah, they stopped short of nineteen ninety nine. I don't know why. <laughs> it was like sixteen ninety nine. There was probably like some research that showed like, oh no, this is way more appealing than <laughs> knocking those two dollars out. I've said many times, this is the best deal in sports for real. Like that is crazy. They should be charging way more because like hardcore fans would definitely still pay it. It's like, oh like, yeah, no leaving question. money on the table there with that one. But. Like even with the blackouts i'm like i don't care it's 18 dollars. am i gonna think about 18 dollars? you know three months from now no absolutely the entire not. season of games yeah um well that's great go check out high post hoops derek writes about about the links over there and yeah it's a it's a good place to follow the entire league um going into the playoffs here let's um let's talk about the links now and what's been happening recently the team is currently 13 and 15 as we record this um uh you know they have lost eight of their last 11 games um things are things are not good right now you know it's in a little bit of a lull um since our last show the team is three and five and uh once again since our last show they're seventh in offense and fifth in defense um over the last uh, couple good thing the schedule gets really easy Ooh, i'm sensing irony in your voice there uh but yes uh, the links have had a tough go over here you know just just over the last few weeks if we want to touch on some of the some of the games and stuff i don't know i mean sent basically we're looking at the period you know after the all-star break until now and um unfortunately you know starting you know with that loss uh against the fever that that's that's a tough one right there right (laughs) that was a tough one um i think just playoff positioning because right now the fever are um three and a half back i mean you know six games to play for the links hanging in there it's probably fine but what concerned me about that game was the first half the defense was so active Mm. um they were trapping they were closing out really well and then each of the coming right out of the gate in the third quarter you know, we saw the slow rotations, getting hung up on not being able to get around screens. Um, I don't know. I've noticed this trend. I like Demiris Dantas a lot. I've noticed that there are a lot of times when I don't know if it's her job to close out on an outside shooter and she's just late getting there. Or if someone else isn't doing their job and she realizes that she has to be the one to try to close out. Yeah. And it never goes well. And you just saw yeah. time and time again how, you know, they would just beat them in the pick and roll with that because somebody wasn't doing their job one way or the other. And that's what concerned me. Oh, that. yeah. That was the game where, like, yeah, they went nuts in the second half, right? It was like a bench. Yeah, it was Pokey, like, played, like, her bench, like, started her bench in the second yeah. half. And then they went. That was such a the weird game. The Lynx also couldn't um, get around the front of the rim shooting yeah. the ball either. So, like, they had no legs coming out of the yeah. All-Star break. And yeah. Is not a good sign. Um, but you know, the team took care of took care of some things. Uh, you know, beating beating the Dream Atlanta Dream in Atlanta. You know, beating New York in New York. Um, you know, then had to play some of the you know top teams in the league. Mystics twice. Uh, they did beat the Sun in Connecticut, right? Like that's... the Sun are strangely awful <laughs> on the road. Yeah. I don't know if you paid attention to yeah. this. So they are thirteen and one at home, and they are six and seven on the road. Oh, that is. That is something else. Yeah, that's a. I think we were talking about the game. That's a red flag for uh, for the playoffs, maybe for them. Oh yeah, that, that last Connecticut game was at uh, Target Center. So yeah, they, yeah. They, but the Lynx are one of the very few teams to have beaten them at home earlier in the season, though. The Lynx have one of those like two <laughs> losses or one losses. Like it's a Lynx, it's a Lynx game there. So the Lynx are one of the only teams that can, that can beat the Sun in Uncansville. Uh, um, but yeah, so losing to the Mystics, losing to the Sun. You know that's acceptable. The Mystics are. In my opinion, far and away the best team in the league. Uh, probably the heavy title favorites at this point. They just so. casually shifted MME's men down to the bench. No big deal. Like it was no big nothing. Deal. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, you can just see. Yeah, we got plenty of players. It's all good. You'll just be part of the mix here, Emma. Um, let's see. And then, you know, most recently, uh, the Lynx, uh, you know, losing both games in the, um, uh, the road trip out west, uh, losing to Seattle and then the very, very strange game just the other night in Los Angeles. Did you watch that storm game? Uh, yes, I did. Yeah. How about Odyssey in the third quarter? Oh, yeah. What you have? 18? 18 in the, in the quarter? Yeah, to go for 30 total. But yeah. Uh, yeah I was joking was with Katie Davidson of The Athletic that if Odyssey knew that the record was 22, <laughs> she would have gone for 24. <laughs> no matter what. I thought she was going to do it because it wasn't like she got it in right under the, you know, at the it was end like of the quarter. She had lots of she time. Was at 18. Yeah, yeah. So. I thought she would do it, but yeah, that that was a fun one. Unfortunately, not many other people came to the party on that one for the Lynx. Uh, he was good. Yeah, I don't think anyone else yeah, was really there though. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. The Storm were just they're a quality team. You know, they're they're a better team than Lynx, and you know by a little bit, and they're at home. It's you know really hard to win on the road uh, in, in the WNBA. So you know that's that's how that goes. Even without you know Stewart and Bird, that's fine. They're they're keep rolling. Natasha Howard's incredible. You know, Jordan Kansas had a good year. You know, Alicia Clark's amazing. So they're, they're going to be all right. You know, you when know? someone like Jordan um, Canada does, um, when she comes off the bench like that mm. and just steps into that role so well, yeah, isn't that kind of an argument for expansion? Exactly. <laughs> you can just oh, do yes. that. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think, yeah. Expansion, yes. Expansion always gets asked to the commissioner. Oh, expansion. And yeah, there's, it's not about the talent. That's never that's never no. the reason why. It's about finances and you know getting butts and seats. Like that's why there's not expansion. There's plenty of talent in this league, and yeah, you could definitely. Well, see a when she teams. talked about that on what Friday now? Yeah, it was Friday. Um, it just kind of you know I, I thought about like you know like the NHL they went for they didn't expand until 1967. They had six teams until wow. 1967 left for like 40 years. <laughs> I mean, so there's the something to be said for just yeah. you know just kind of just let it kind of you know. Stew a little bit. Yeah. It's all it's okay. Yeah, but for sure there's so many good players and yeah, as we see first round draft picks get cut, you know, all all that good stuff. There's so many good players in the league. Like the only team eliminated right now are the dream from the playoffs. <laughs> Crazy. That's it. Yeah. And they were a playoff team last year, right? Very tight right now. Um, also, um, in this stretch of time, Simone Augustus returned to the court for the Lynx. Um, Simone uh, had missed all of this season, she had the the knee procedure, um, like right at the beginning of the year, uh, kind of after 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 the season tipped, or right around when the season tipped off in in, uh, in May. Um, so she missed a bunch of games, but uh, returned to the lineup. Uh, I believe in that Atlanta Dream game, uh, yep. first first week of August. And um, she, uh, yeah. So Simone's back, but uh, things are not going so well. What uh, what do we think of of Simone's return return to action here so far? I think that. They're kind of right to slow her down a little bit. I mean, playing they played her 21 minutes and she was solid, um, but unfortunately, I mean, she what had eight, two, and four, mm. and she hasn't in that had first a, game. You mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. the dream. She hasn't had a single rebound since then. Yeah, and she's had all of five assists since then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's not making shots. She's yeah, she can't get to the free throw line. Like it's it's hard. It's it's obviously like it's hard to come back from a knee procedure. She's one of the older players she's in the 35, league. Yeah, fourteen years in. So she's got a lot working against her, right? It's yeah. not like she's just coming in fresh. Like it's obviously about the injury at this point. But what's in what I sort of what we have to wonder now is sort of like how this projects for these next six games to end the season. But then also Simone has said she will play one more season in the WNBA next year. Like that will be next year. 2020 will be her, her final year. So it's kind of like, how does, how does this, you know, play into that a little bit? So I don't know. There's 
lots to unpack here with Simone. But I guess just to start for this year, what can, what, what can we expect from her for these last six games of the season? Like, what do we think? Well, I think for me, like what I've seen really kind of just tempers your expectations for you're not going to, I mean, she was an all-star a year ago, but obviously um, it doesn't seem like we're going to get that same all-star player. Um, She's only have six more games left. And I think you saw what Lexi Brown can do um, off the bench. And now Daniel Robinson's coming off the bench. So, and that was always the thing that I wondered is, are you going to force something that might not be there? And I think what we've seen so far is that she's, it's not really there yet. You mean with Simone starting? With Simone starting. Yeah. 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 I mean, I just think right now what the link showed is that, I mean, Simone came back to a very different team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, very some of the fouls is probably the only familiar face in that starting exactly. lineup. Exactly, yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a different team, but I think the team does need her. I mean, because at her best, I mean, this team doesn't really have another shot creator like her. Um, Danielle Robinson is quick. She can race around anyone, but she needs the space. And, yeah. But she needs someone to create that space because this team does not create a lot for itself. Yeah, totally. And with Simone, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to talk about the starting thing. Cause you know, if, so we saw, so we're recording this right after the day after, you know, the game in Los Angeles where Simone uh, did not start uh, a WNBA game for the first time ever in her career. Right. So she had started yeah. 364 straight games you know, that she was eligible for and was healthy for. Um, and the other night in Los Angeles was the first time she came off the bench. And I just think that's the right move at this point in her career. I think it was necessary for Cheryl to start her because of her legacy and because yep. of, hey, you know, you're just the best player that's ever played for the Lynx. Like, you know, you're this historic figure. Um, you got a starter. But, um, you know, even with limited minutes, I feel like Simone is still going to be more valuable off the bench to be able to give a little scoring punch, to be able to be a leader on the floor for a secondary group that might be a little bit younger or something like that. Um, just have her yeah. cook opposing defenses yeah. and their second stringers. Like, that's perfect. Yeah. And if she's right now, she's very slow of foot. And obviously, it's a lot to this injury. It's like she can play better against backup players right now. Yeah. And it's kind of sad to say that, but it's like, just realize it. And that's the reality of where she is right now. And let's try to, you know, make the most of that instead of like throwing her to the wolves of being like, oh, yeah, get out there and guard Dewana Bonner or get out there and, you know, whoever <laughs> it is. It's like, that's not going to work right now. Maybe next year, hopefully, she can get back to that level ne- next year. That's a different conversation. I guess, but for right now, um, you know, I think a reduced role coming off the bench is, is what's what's necessary. Well, what I've realized with Cheryl Reeve too is that she's very forthcoming with her players. Yeah, um, and talking to like Danielle Robinson, you know, who was frustrated um, in Phoenix before she came to Minnesota. Odyssey Sims, who was obviously frustrated in LA, and that she wasn't really sure, you know, what her future was going to hold. And uh, you know, both players told me, and I haven't talked to Lexi though, I really want to, um, you know. They both said, like, we finally really knew what we had to do to get on the court and what our expectations were. Mm. Um, you know, From Cheryl, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, you don't have to wonder, like, oh, am I going to play tonight? You know, like, well, if I do this, I know I'm going to play. If I do this, I know that my minutes are going to get cut. Yeah. Um, she's, you know, like talking to Dana Robinson, and she was like, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, if she comes if she comes into the game, her backup point guard comes into the game with a seven-point lead, she wants a seven-point lead or more. When, you know, that she takes her out. Um, The expectations are very clear. Uh, So I think that's one thing with Simone, you know, where like, you know, they they've had this long history now of eight years. They've been together half of Simone's career at this point. Um, And so I think there's probably that respect where Cheryl can say, you know, I think this is probably for the best of the team right now. Um, Be the best thing for you, because obviously what we're seeing, you know, even starting and playing. 10, 15 minutes, like even in that Washington game last Friday, and she's playing six minutes and she's 0 for 3 and, you know, having a hard time contributing in just six minutes. 
I mean, that's that's not helping the team. Yeah, and and Cheryl, I think, mentioned something to the effect of this isn't this hasn't been easy, you know, early on for for Simone so far to you know be out there and not be effective and not be able to help your team so much. Yeah. But I don't think that. Uh, you know, Simone is has an ego about her in that way, where this is upsetting to her because she has to start. It's upsetting to her because she can't contribute, and she's used to being a very high level player. There's a difference there, right? It's not about coming off the bench. So what I'm trying to say is, I think Simone understands the situation, yeah. and can be can uh, it might be a tough pill to swallow of understanding where you are in your career. Um, you know, all all professional athletes need to sort of think of themselves as maybe a level higher than they actually are to be able to keep that drive and to keep that hustle going but i think simone can understand especially you know seeing how she's played so far Mm -hmm. in sort of a small sample but six games or seven games whatever it's been like you know she's she can probably understand where she's at and that's probably best for her to take a back seat right now yeah no i i think so too and just i mean we've seen some good performances from some of the other players in the roster too yeah it's like this is the one area where the links actually aren't shorthanded right now um, if they this, play Lexi, they can play Talbot. You know, there's a, there's yeah. other players in in place that they can they can roll with. D Rob's coming off the bench yeah. now. Like they can fill out that backcourt yeah. one way or the other. Um, and like I said, Simone still has value. I mean, they don't have another yeah. shot creator like her because um, you know, like like Stephanie Talbot, like she's not really creating her own shot. No, catch and shoot. Yeah, exactly. Which is fantastic. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. But yeah, they need someone to be able to bail them. I, mean, I keep thinking back to that first Simone game of the season. It's been her best game, that mm-hmm. Atlanta Dream game. You know, she was she, she had a couple like fadeaways, like you know, as the shot clock was expiring, and that's the kind of stuff where it's like maybe it's not a great shot in a vacuum. But when the shot clock is winding down, you need a couple players on the floor um, who can make a, who can this at least team, take a shot and at least get on the rim or whatever. You know, for an offensive rebound. This team is really bad at looking at the shot clock. <laughs> shot clock violations. Yes. <laughs> yes. So yes. Uh, um, yeah, so so yeah, the skill set of Simone definitely still needed, and um, yeah, hopefully she can finish this season strong and sort of like lead into next year and being healthy and not having these issues, and she can hopefully play the full campaign next year. Um, but yeah, anything else on Simone we should hit? I think that's all I got. Yeah, for now. Simone, welcome back, Simone. Hopefully things uh, finish out this season a little bit better, and I think that I think that'll be the case with a different kind of off the bench understanding, yeah. especially with you know the. Or the schedule coming yes. up too. I think it's probably best not to, you know, put her out there against the Asia Wilsons and um, yeah, really Kayla McBride's yeah. the world. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, let's uh, let's finish up by looking forward here. This is this is uh, it's getting tight. It's getting towards the end of uh, the WNBA schedule here. The Lynx have uh, six remaining games uh the good news is four of them are at home so um you know links haven't been great at home they're like seven and six at home so that's not necessarily uh you know automatic wins or anything like that but uh, obviously every team plays better at home so uh four games uh, the next four uh, uh dallas las vegas chicago and indiana um, and then they go on the road to finish out the season in phoenix and in los angeles so those are the final six and the Lynx currently are in eighth place in the WNBA standings. That Phoenix game is really interesting at Ooh, this point. <laughs> that might be that might be some tiebreaker situation. And they've had right some there. good matchups this uh, yeah. season. Yeah, and Griner's back down from the suspension. So yeah, so the Lynx are in eighth place right now, only a half game back of seventh. 
and uh, two games back of six. To me, that's kind of the band that they're in, right? The the lowest they can fall is eighth. I do not see them in any any shape or fashion being going down to ninth. I mean, they essentially have to sort of like lose out while Indiana loses out. Not actually. Link's uh, magic number, uh, oh, which was uh, tweeted or not tweeted, but sent uh, you know uh, with the press materials last night after the game is uh, is four. Uh, so yeah, so four uh, Lynx wins or Fever losses will result in the Lynx. Uh, Do they have the tiebreaker with Dallas? Uh, great question. I wonder. I'm trying to think back to so, the games. We still have one game. We still have one game against them. Right. I feel like we've we're probably one and one against them right now. So I don't know. I feel like so, it might come down to it. Indiana has the Sparks, the Storm, the Aces, the Sparks, the Lynx, and the close out against the Liberty. Wow. That Liberty game might be for nothing. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. Lynx don't have a much easier schedule, but I just think there's more there, and they're further along as a team to face that the schedule that the Lynx have versus where the Fever are at yeah. right now. So, I mean, so the Lynx, let's see. So, yeah, so basically they're in the eighth place right now, and the highest we can sort of realistically see them going is the sixth, probably sixth seed, maybe yeah. fifth seed. We'll see. Um, but so basically they're going to have to play a one-game uh, elimination uh, or two, <laughs> yeah, two. Um, so it's just a matter of who they'll play and, and sort of like how that's all going to shake out. I really do think we have our eight teams. I said that in our last podcast with Sloan. Like, I think the eight teams have been set for a while yeah. now. It's just a matter of like what the matchups will be, both at the top and at the bottom. We don't know who will get the number one seed yet. Like, that is not decided. Any of those three teams, you know, Washington, Connecticut, Las Vegas, all of them are in striking distance of the number one seed. Um, the Sun, I think, need it the most. Yeah. I think the Mystics can win True. anywhere. Like we've been talking about, yeah, the Sun, they, yeah. they need it. Yeah. They got to have that, especially in like, yeah, a final matchup or something like that. They need that. Um, but as far as the Lynx go, hopefully they can move up to seven or six in order to, you know, well, if they get to six, they'll have a home court advantage in the first, first single elimination game. Um, but who do we like? What do we think about the, the potential matchups for a, for a one game one game uh, playoff match here. Who would you most like to see out of Chicago, Seattle, Phoenix? Who would you least like to see? Um, I think, with as little disrespect as possible, Chicago. <laughs> sure. Of course, yeah. the Chicago it's guards. Matchup. It's all good. Look, if you draft four guards and you already had four guards, <laughs> like yeah. bring me that team. Yeah, come bring on. me that team. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's obviously a lot of talent. Like, Ali Quigley could absolutely get hot yeah. and murder you for a night. I mean, right now they're the best team out of these four, so it's no disrespect, really. I mean, come on. Yeah, they're, they're up there. I think just matchup-wise, if you wanted to just... Because, I mean, the Lynx can throw some size outside at them, and I think it's easier to probably to game plan for that. Um, but, I mean, if they get hot, of course. I mean, there's nothing anyone's going to be able to do. I think we saw how well they match up with Seattle, even with all their injuries and absences. Uh, that might not matter. Um, Phoenix, I, I, that would be, I mean, that would be like a you know, championship bout right there. <laughs> well, and, and you got to imagine Tarasi plays, right? She's probably playing yeah. the rest of the games out here too. So from here on out, yeah, Phoenix is going to have Bonner would be an MVP candidate Ooh, if they were so a higher good. seed. So good. <laughs> she has been a murderer. She was nuts season. the other night against, uh, <laughs> against Vegas. And the Lynx hasn't been able to defend her much this season. No, I mean, yeah. usually she kills from the mid-range, but I mean, last time I think she was beating them from the outside, too. She's so tall. She can do it all. And her she's so long, too. Like Her release point, I don't know how many players in the W can defend that. Yeah, really. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of interesting that we think it's Chicago. I, I think I would probably agree 
agree with that. I think the Lynx have played them pretty well this season. And, and um, yeah, I think, you know, they probably have, I don't know, I, I feel I feel like, you know, for Sylvia's matchup, you know, I think with Steph Dolson, I think that's a good one for Sylvia, you know, against Chicago yeah. you know, on both ends. You know, I think Sylvia can adequately defend her and Dolson would have an issue with her. So, you know, unlike Seattle and Phoenix, who have Natasha Howard and Brittany Griner to throw at Sill. So, yeah, that's that's weird to think about because it's like okay, good. So just stay at eighth, Minnesota Lakes. Take the take the sky <laughs> as it currently stands. Anyway, like you probably but, don't want Cheyenne Parker and Steph Dolson no, coming at you all no. night. But I mean, if there's the possibility that they're going to be sending us like guards over to help, and yeah. you're going to have an open three. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's something this team doesn't do enough of is encourage those outside. That'd shots. be a really interesting uh, drama filled night with James Wade, you know, former former Lynx assistant coach, you know, now is the head coach of Chicago. That'd be an interesting storyline uh, for that one. But yeah, the way we just saw them play against Seattle, I don't know. That doesn't seem like a good matchup for the Lynx. So I, I would not want to see Seattle and Phoenix. I don't know. Even with Griner and and, and Tarasi in there, I feel like that's a pretty good matchup for the Lynx too. I think yeah. like historically they've done really well against Phoenix, especially over the last like couple years like they've had their number pretty well so i think minnesota would, would fare pretty well in the phoenix mercury yeah matchup. i think if i had to rank it would be chicago phoenix seattle yeah yeah let's stay away from seattle though that was scary it was, <laughs> it was recency bias though since they, they just beat i also don't good. want well i guess you'd have to stay up a little bit for phoenix too but <laughs> the west coast staying thing. up for seattle though would be for sure like an hour too late uh, okay, so yeah, so um, yeah, so the Lynx have these six games here. What needs to change? What needs to change? What needs to get better here? So the way, it, it, even if uh, hey, we want them to face Chicago, the Lynx are going to be trying to win these games uh, as as we want them to. But um, what what are some things that potentially could uh, help the Lynx to you know actually play better and get out of this little funk they're in right now? I don't have like the actual numbers in front of me, but I just feel like their defense has been so inconsistent. It's been slipping. They're down. To like fifth for the entire year now i think they're fourth or fifth for the whole year so that's bad like they're they were solidly one two three forever i was yeah. openly wondering if they were just tired and yeah. i mean coming out of the all-star break and the way they looked wow. i was like does this team really have the legs for wow. you know a big run like that yeah it's fair. so that's a concern for me and i mean the things that the links want to do and when they're at their best i mean i still think that defense is absolutely top probably what three still yeah in the entire league but yeah Oh, yeah. You know, that takes a lot. If you don't have the depth, um, it's really difficult to maintain that. And you're putting someone like um, Lexi Brown or Daniel Robinson, who are, you know, a little smaller in some unenviable situations that you normally wouldn't have them in because you probably don't have that depth. You don't have the Kareem Christmas Kellys mm. in the front court. You don't have Jessica Shepard yeah. and all these bigger Chechi, bodies. Yeah. So, other, yeah, Chechi. And you're having all these players that are just, you know, who are forced to be out of position. Um, like, remember when uh, Cheryl was talking pregame um, before Friday's game about how Daniel Robinson was her best post defender post in Washington. <laughs> Those are not words you ever want no. to leave your mouth as much yeah. as we all love D-Rob. That was a like, shot right there. That was a shot against her post players, yeah. But, you know, like, the thing is, too, like, they probably knew that they were bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that'll be, that will be interesting to see, yeah, how they, how they can, what, what they can change here. And I don't know, the turnovers have been the worst part about their season, I think. I mean, oh, season it's just long. clockwork, like, hey, they're going to give up 20 every game. And it's just, it's just maddening. And it's more than anything, it just doesn't allow you to really get any flow going in within one game. You they're know? surprisingly so, not the worst since the All-Star breaking turnovers. Wow. They've cleaned they're it up third. a little bit. <laughs> the Liberty are the worst than the uh, sky. Well, they're third to the bottom right uh, now. But yeah, yeah, so the links, it's a lot of those lob passes, I think. You know, it's just, 
it's so hard. They've 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 built their offense around Sylvia Fowles, and the league for the second year in a row has shut that down. And they haven't. The problem. It's fine to have Sylvia Fowles as a as the you know focal point of your offense, but you have to have secondary options that can connect when that doesn't happen. When when they shut down Sylvia, right? Like, yeah. and that's just that's been the issue. You have to have a counter. You have to have someone she can pitch it to to hit a shot or whatever it might be. Um, and that's really been the problem. Well, she's just not getting called for fouls. I yeah. mean, yeah. no pun intended. That's, yeah. But that's, she went from yeah. having like a 44% foul rate oh, the last few years, like the mid 40s, all the way down to the lowest since her rookie year this season. She's below 30% now. So, I mean, she's just not getting the calls either. And I mean, like we've had Brittany Griner talk about it. And it's, yeah, and Kim Beige. Yeah, all of them. Yeah. It's been, it's been a thing this year, but that there's not much you can do about that. I mean, it sucks. That that's been happening, and Cheryl's been talking about it on her podcast all year. But you know, unfortunately, even in post games too. That's yeah. the worst game I've ever seen. Every game is the worst game she's ever seen. Yeah, and so that's fine. But unfortunately, you have to. The games go on, and you have to keep winning somehow. And the Lynx haven't been able to do that. Um, this brings me to a point. You um, have uh, written a, a piece this week about Sylvia and touches in the post and getting her more shots. Um, for high post hoops, which you can find in the show notes of this episode. But uh, why don't you speak a little bit about that? You know, what did you kind of find in your research about that? Obviously, the whole point is she's not touching the ball quite as much, and she isn't shooting the ball quite as much. Maybe that's something that can come around here in these last six games. She can kind of get back to a little bit more of All Star or Sylvia Fowles level. Finding a way to get her, you know, freed up a little more because mm-hmm. I mean, this is something that Cheryl also talked about. What yeah. got me thinking about it is just how. Um, few and far between her touches have been and since the all-star break mm. and yeah i mean she is receiving a lot of contact um but you got to find a way to get to something about that i yeah. mean it's still isn't just loafing and you know just hoping that she gets the ball um she's legitimately going up for these shots and you know she's you know going through a lot of contact sometimes and that's what it takes to play down low at you know any level of basketball in any professional basketball yeah. league certainly um the fact that her shots, though, are down about 25%, though, is definitely concerning. That's a lot. That's huge. That is. I had not seen that. I mean, that is, yeah. Wow. Well, it was like she was just about 10 for the season, and now um, it's down to a 7.7 since the All-Star break. You mean uh, shot attempts per game? Yeah, shot okay. attempts per game. Yeah. So, I mean, you lose that 60% to someone who's, like Cheryl said, like, you're 60%. You throw it out there, and that's They're 40-ish. Not. <laughs> it's yeah. not 60. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty much a guaranteed bucket if you can get it in there. And, I mean, the problem is other teams know that, and they automatically respect Sill, uh-huh. no matter what kind of night. If she's had four shots, they're still sending doubles in the fourth quarter. <laughs> I mean, this just, it just never ends with her. So I don't know what they need to do to get something else going in there because it's not as if they can dump it into someone else inside right now. Yeah. Um, to get those same kind of shots because they just they've lost so much in the front court at this point. Yeah, something's got to go with that offense. So I mean, the offense has you know been the issue, whether it's turnovers, whether it's forcing it to sill or you know, shot clock violations. Like I've been talking about, like the offense just those never are the really caught on, never really caught on at all this season. There wasn't really a great stretch where they had you know six games. Where well, they were and I just kept waiting it. for you know all the, like okay, well you know there's a lot of new pieces. And, yeah. You know, once that gets integrated, yeah. you know they start to gel a little more. This will get better. Um, we just haven't seen it. We'll see how it goes next year too. When they're trying to get Maya Moore into this mix somewhere, yeah. I guess. I guess yeah, you could just chalk up the Lynx offense a little bit this season about you know the Sylvia stuff that we talked about, but then also yeah, all the sort of moving pieces of of the whole situation yeah. of yeah, you, see, you, you know, the beginning first half of the season was oh, when's Christmas Kelly coming back and you know Simone's out and then Shepard goes down and then you know Timmy, oh, Chechi's coming, Timmy Timmy's comes coming. back, Chechi's not like <laughs> there's lots of moving pieces and I think we 
we can underestimate how much of an effect that is or how much that has an effect on the team's just continuity and just familiarity. Like if you play basketball, it's better to play with people who you know where they're going to be and how they move and, you know, where they like the ball and stuff like that. And that is basically what the Lynx hung their dynasty hat on all these years was having these incredible players, but they were the same players, at least in the starting five, you know, so... Coaches will talk about, you know, players, you know, moving on, you know, moving on a chain and where it's mm. like, you know, everyone's in sync and they know what they're doing for yeah. years. That was the link. Yes. And now so many pieces have come out of that. Yeah. And I mean, like Steph Talbot, I think she was traded just for just like a week or so. before. Yeah. The right season. before the season. Yes. And yep. I mean, she's become a bigger and bigger part of it, but it just goes to show you how difficult that is to get a player up to speed like that. And even, you know, Lexi Brown, who um, the team has said this too, like this is essentially her rookie year. She played five games last season yeah. and averaged like four minutes a game. Yeah, really. I mean, so she hadn't played much. So not only is she learning basically how to play in the WNBA, um, she's learning, you know, new things, new terminology and all yeah, this too. Learning and, about playing against all these other players, yeah. right? Because she didn't get to do it. She was on the road, you know, she was on the on the bench. So she traveled to all these cities, but she didn't really like go out and know what it is, you know, to, to face off against so-and-so. So it's that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it's definitely one thing when you read it on a scouting report versus going <laughs> yeah. out and doing it. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's hope Lynx can uh, get a couple wins here to close out the season and hang on, to, uh, you know, to their playoff spot. Again, I don't think that's very much in danger. It's just a matter of where they will be. Eight, seven, six, somewhere, somewhere right in there. And then, yeah, you got to hope for some some playoff luck. Hope for some wins. And, hey, it's pretty crazy with the WNBA's uh, playoff schedule. It's Anything can really happen there. It's, it's going to be a fun rundown. Yeah. Finish, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, Derek, thanks for being on the show yeah, today. Uh, where do people follow you online? Um, at Derek James NBA. Yes. D-E-R-E-K. Derek. Yep. Not D-E-R-E. Not Derek Rose style. Yeah. Not Derek Rose style. Never anything Derek Rose style. No. Derek James NBA. Yeah, we'll have that in the show notes as well. And then High Post Hoops. Check them out there. That's where uh, Lynx coverage goes. And then we know you guys are Wolves fans as well. So, you know, you can read them on Canis Hoopus and A Wolf Among Wolves uh, this upcoming season. And uh, I'm sure there'll be lots more as well. There's just nothing happening in Wolfland. (laughs) Which is fine. It's August. playoff run. It's August. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's Lynx time right now. Um, But yeah, we will um, be back with one more more episode of the Los Things Talk Show at the end of the season, kind of a little recap thing. Um, so you can join us then. Um, but until then, go follow Derek and uh, go links.